everyone. Before we get started, we wanted to let you know about our venue consulting. We have broken up our offerings into four distinct needs, design, sales and client experience, marketing, and those all important SOPs. You can take advantage of one or all of these tricky spots for your venue. If you want to learn more and get a few more details, head on over to hustleandgather.com to see how we can work together and reach your venue goals. All right, let's get to today's show. Do you feel alive? Like, are you just going through the motions? Are you going to get to the end of this period of time and just have so many regrets? And that's my biggest fear, regretting it all, like regretting, Mm -hmm. because I feel like it's, especially when you talk about the kids, like it just goes by so quickly. Welcome to Hustle and Gather, a podcast about inspiring the everyday entrepreneur to take the leap. I'm Courtney. And I'm Dana. And we're two sisters who have started multiple businesses together. And yes, it's as messy as you think. We know that starting a business isn't easy. Because we've done it four times. And on this show, we talk about the ups and downs of the hustle and the reward at the end of the journey. And we love helping small businesses succeed, whether that is through our venue consulting, speaking, team training. We love to motivate others to take those big leaps. Or you could just use our misadventures to normalize the crazy that is being an entrepreneur because every entrepreneur makes mistakes. But we like to call those unsuccessful attempts around here. And we know it's just part of the process. And today we're talking just the two of us about last week's episode with Jesse Williams. Jesse is the founder and CEO and designer of Edge of Urge, a one-of-a-kind unique store that brings together independent designers and artists and makers specializing in handmade clothing, accessories, gifts, and more. All right. Oh, that was a great conversation. Yeah, it was. Can't believe it was her first podcast. I know. She did so well. And I could tell she was nervous, but I think she's just like a very kind, tenderhearted person. Yeah. She's so cool looking, though. I, like, I love is. her haircut and her I glasses. Know. I know. Yeah. She's like definitely too cool for school. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think she talked a lot about like, well, there was a lot. I really loved her bank story. I could feel it like when she when she talked about it, just like the... Because she said, like, paralyzed her. Like, it, it is. literally paralyzed her. And I think that there's a lot of shame that comes with that mm-hmm. and um, shame and fear that can create that the paralyzation and realizing, okay, maybe I'm not on the right path. But I think what's so unique about her, and I, th- I know you shared our story in the podcast, and I and I remember that. I remember the shame of that. Like, oh, my God, obviously we're not good enough. This isn't a good enough product. They don't believe in us. But I think it's different, and I have we have almost a similar story where you have poured into something. Mm-hmm. And you have, you have these people that are telling you like, oh my God, you're amazing. You're great. Your opinion is so valuable. You are so good at this. You are, you are the X, Y, Z. And then you're like, okay, I believe you. I believe you that when you say that, therefore I'm going to say, okay, you think I'm this great business owner. I have great advice for other people and I need this little bit of cash injection. You believe in me because you're telling me you believe in me. Mm -hmm. You know, what do you think? And they're like, no, (laughs) actually I don't. Actually, I just used you yeah, or whatever, right? That is what it feels like. It is what it feels like. And I think for us, like it was very similar when we were like working with an organization and like through all through COVID, we would do free webinars. We would, they'd be like, oh, you're such a great thought leader. We want you to apply for this thing so you can come speak at this conference. And so we applied for it. They like reached out to us personally about it. We applied for it. We did all this stuff. Like we volunteer on every single thing and then we didn't get it. Yeah. And I remember being so angry about it. Yeah, because you just feel like, why like used? Yeah, like why? Why'd you string me along? But yeah, why don't you just tell me that apparently I'm not? You don't think I'm good enough? Yeah. Or, or to me, the other point is, did you, if you really wanted me to 
speak. You obviously had something in mind that you wanted me to speak about. Yeah, like, why are you being so like cloak and dagger here? Right. Like, yeah. Because then when I when I like because I called him out on it, I was mm-hmm. like, dude, this is not cool. Like, oh, well, if you had submitted this, I'm like, why didn't you tell me to submit that in the first place? Why didn't yeah. you tell me what you were looking for? It's like it's it's because they they're a part of them. Just I don't know, wanted you to fail. Or maybe really didn't value it. Or maybe they're stringing you along more because they're like, oh, well, if you now donate this and now you do this and like, oh, we'll put you on the docket for next year. Like you're going to work harder at it. And I think it's like maybe they're trying to do reverse psychology, but it actually made me be like, I don't want to have anything to do with this anymore. I'm like, yeah, I'm over it. I'm done. Yeah. But it was not as serious as her losing a bank loan. I just want to clarify that. Yeah. (laughs) It's like trivial compared to what she went through. But well, there's also like just like. For any of our listeners that haven't tried to get a business loan or haven't tried easy. to say like, hey, I'm going to open up my books to you and I'm going to need for you to evaluate like how you feel, how I'm running my company mm-hmm. so you can make a determination if you're going to give me money for this next thing I want to do. It's a very vulnerable position to mm-hmm. be in. Like even when you have a good feeling that you're doing fine, it's still so nerve wracking to sit in front and have someone arbitrate over whether or not you're good enough to lend money to. But that's what's frustrating about it is because people have to go in front of somebody ask for money are people who are not independently wealthy, who do not come from money, who don't have the finances. Because, you know, we've had, and not to knock anybody, but we've had friends and people in the industry that have opened a venue or done something. And we know it's millions of dollars to open a venue. Like now and like their family funded it or something. Family, their family funded it. They're like, they're, they're not talking. And, and I'm not saying it isn't, it isn't hard. I'm not yeah, saying now you deal with the politics of in-laws and family and, and expectations. And now they're co-owners. And like, I'm not saying that isn't a hard road. Right. It's not, um, it is hard and it's different. Right. But there is something so frustrating about the world that we live in that the only way that you can get a leg up is to either have this rock solid plan, right? Because if you look at like where our plan was not rock solid, mm-hmm. right? We were going on what we knew and obviously it paid off and our bank is very happy with us, but like it wasn't rock solid. And the only way for you to get ahead and to actually get yourself into like entrepreneurship or to make a better life for yourself is to have money. It's like a catch 22, yeah. It's really frustrating. I mean, I felt like, I mean, our, I don't think our plan was rock solid. I mean, obviously we didn't not. go into like 2013 with like, we knew we were going to be making millions of dollars in the next couple of years. I get that. But at the same time, it was real estate based. So there was like definitely uh, tangible assets associated with the money that yeah, we were borrowing. Yeah, in an area that was heavy industrial that would be almost impossible to sell at the time. And it actually would be impossible to sell as a, as a residential house right now. That's true. And in a market when the market just crashed. Yeah. And it's not even worth what it's, it wasn't worth what we built it for at that time. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. Shady investment. <laughs> <laughs> that paid off, but it, it did was pay not off. rock solid. I don't know. I think that would be like super, super hard to get over because it's, it's hard when someone says they, that they, they're they the expert, right? Like you're talking to the bank. They're the expert on where their money should go, Which theoretically. Which they actually are just, it's just bullshit. They're well, I know. Expert. I'm just saying, but you're talking to this no, person who's supposedly yeah. the expert and they just basically told you that your idea was shit mm-hmm. and we're not going to invest in it because we don't think it's going to go anywhere. It's not going to be big enough for us. Well, I don't even think it's that maybe the idea is shit. It's they don't trust you. They don't trust mm-hmm. your ability to be a CEO or run a money or be, or be responsible enough. Yeah. And I think that kind of goes to where she was talking about before, like how money is a weak point for her. And it's something that she had to get over yeah, and recognize that that is a problem for her because the minute you are okay with money is the minute that you can start, you have freedom with your decisions and you can start trusting your gut, which I sure. think is really true. Yeah. I mean, I think that people, 
there's like a shame culture associated with wanting to make money or wanting to be wealthy mm-hmm. or wanting to be profitable. I feel like that people have to get over like they're and I I know for us personally, it was definitely there was a shift in how we saw ourselves as like the martyrs to our business to, oh, maybe our business can make us money. Right. It was like a definitely mm-hmm. a, a shift in a mindset. But money really when you get down to it, is only a resource, right? Mm-hmm. It's a resource, however you're going to use it, whether you're going to leverage the actual money to purchase something, and I'm going to exchange this good for that good, right? Mm-hmm. Or if you're going to leverage your ability to make money, like your future money, to be able to get money now so I can utilize it as a resource. Like, it's just a resource. So I think when you get over that mindset of, fearing money or having a negative connotation to wanting money that yeah, you view it as the resource right. that it is. But at the, the same at the same time, you can look at it and you think about think about the times when you had no money, how resourceful you were. Yeah. Right. And how much and how happy you might have been. Like there are definitely points I can look at it and I can I'm not saying like the happiest I ever was when I had the least amount of money, but there there were some really happy times at that because it life was simple. Right. It was a it was a yes or a no. There was no gray area. There wasn't like, oh, could we do this? Like, nope, you can't. There you go. <laughs> Figure out how to be happy with it, you know? Yeah. And and I think that there's a lot of fear with money, not because I think it goes both ways. I think it's there's fear of not having enough, and then there's fear of being too comfortable. And I still feel that. I still fear it. Like we I don't ever make plans, even in our business. You know, I think we said this before is I can tell Sam was like, all I can guarantee you is my page is my salary, but I can't guarantee any K1s until until the day the check is written. Yeah. Right. So like if you if you're projecting like this is what we're going to make this year, but you can only project what our salary is. I can't I'm not guaranteeing anything or whatever. And I'm not even guaranteeing that my salary is going to be that in 2024. Right. We don't really know. We're in a boom. We don't know if it's going to die down, what it's going to look like. We have have no idea. You know, everything's so cyclical. But for me, my fear is, is that we get into a, a lifestyle that we like and that we're comfortable in because it's definitely comfortable when you have more money, mm-hmm. right? And then when that start, when you realize, oh, I, I can't have that anymore because the business isn't doing as well, your whole goal is to figure out how to maintain that lifestyle, which is, I think, why and how we get into the situation we are today. It's why you have these politicians that go into it very altruistically. Mm-hmm. They want to make a difference. They get a taste of that money. They get a taste of that lifestyle. They're like, oh, I can't give this up. Yeah. Therefore, I'm going to vote the way that my that's going to get me reelected and get me more money because I don't want to give up this lifestyle that I have and that I've now created because I really like having this money and I really like having this power. Yeah. And I think that's where the negative connotation comes in. It's like, how is money going to change you? And is it going to change you for the better where you're going to be like, I'm comfortable with this life. I'm going to take all this excess and I'm going to give it mm-hmm. away and make someone else's life better. Or is it going to change you to now you're, this is the lifestyle you have now? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think those are definitely good questions to ask. Um, I would say it's safe to say you could probably project 18 months out, honestly, not probably just like, you know, the one month out for our business. But um, yeah, I, I think money is really scary for people. Mm -hmm. And I think you're so much, even in like your childhood that makes these associations with money that oftentimes aren't healthy. Right. Mm -hmm. And I felt like for us, like we didn't grow up in poverty or anything like that. I'm not saying that, but there was always a very much a scarcity mindset Mm -hmm. around money. And so go moving into adulthood, I kind of saw money as a 
scarcity mindset. Like I was a hoarder of money. Instead of utilizing my money for moving things forward, I just wanted to keep it under the mattress just in case I needed it. Mm -hmm. There's times I needed it and that served me well, but there's definitely times that you could have made bigger decisions, right? Better decisions that could have gotten you further down the road had you not had a scarcity mindset as it pertains to money. And I think that in business too, like we've leveraged when we could leverage and pulled back when we can pull back and saved when we can save and we've benefited and we can, we've benefited and we've invested into our company when we need to invest in our company. But I think definitely as a business owner, you definitely see money as a resource. Yeah. Like it allows you to make improvements to make more money, which you can then funnel sure, back sure, into sure. your business or your pocket no, or whatever. I'm not, I'm not like arguing the fact. I enjoy where we are in life right now. I feel a huge sigh. I don't stress. I didn't stress back to school shopping. I didn't stress like. Well, I did. <laughs> I mean, but like I didn't. And, it, and yeah. I mean, even though I'm like seeing these things and I'm like, oh my God, I just spent like $400 at freaking Target to get all these yeah. like very specific you had a very Brand specific list. List of things <laughs> for the school. Like I didn't stress it where I would have like it would have it would have been really hard yeah. before. Like it would have been something that we probably would have had to ask for help on yeah. before. And so I I appreciate the comfort level we are in. I just I understand where she is at, that money is a weak point. And I think that there is value in recognizing your relationship with money. And in every phase of it, it's yeah. like where we are now, are we putting more power and weights in our bank account than, than something else, right? Right. To the point of where are you afraid to lose it? Yeah. Like I don't ever want to be afraid to lose it. I just want to be right. like, oh, that was great. Mm-hmm. Back to PB&J's. <laughs> no nice cheese for you. No nuts and cheese but for you. it's fine. We will adjust because we're happy and we're healthy and yeah. it's okay. Yeah. You know. You know, I think that, but then I also think you learn as things, like things that you would do now aren't things that you would have done back then. Like, you know more, like you understand kind of the cyclical nature of business and you can build on the things that you've learned. And I know our, our business prowess, like I know what we're not going to let fail. Like I know our Mm -hmm. ability to shift and change and market ourselves in a new way that's going to be relevant, you know? So also I understand that as well. Right. But the question for you is if you had to make a choice. If the choice was in order for you to maintain what we have, yeah, we'd have to let two people go, which means you would have to either step in and do more work. Yeah. Would that be your choice or would it be and like the person aside, like whether maybe yeah. you don't like the person, I don't know. Like okay. it has nothing to do with the person yeah. that you're letting go. The point is, what is it the value of it? Is it the the money or mm-hmm. is it your time? And I think for the rest of my life, it'll always be time. Like I'd always take a smaller paycheck and I would rather give someone else my paycheck for them to do the work Yeah, to give me the time. I guess it depends on where I'm at in my life, like what I've yeah. committed to. Because I'm not going to like let my commitment slide because sure. I'm not pay them. Like right. I'm going to pay my mortgage, right? Right, right? So it really just depends. But I definitely see... I'm talking about just to maintain the lifestyle you have now. Not that you're a destitute, but to maintain what oh. you have now. Well, I'm building a house, so I probably would have to work and pay the mortgage. Like, I, that's probably where I'm at right now, honestly. Like, yeah. So I'd probably have to pick that one now, but, like, five years from now, probably mm-hmm. time. Yeah. I have a five-year plan. So, yeah. So yeah. But, yeah, I just I, – like I said, I, I just – and I've viewed money like this for a while, that I just see it as a resource. Mm-hmm. And I don't see, like, loans necessarily as bad things, and I – 
see it as ways to move things along forward quicker mm-hmm. and to just kind of, I think, having a healthy relationship with it, I think, mm-hmm. is important for moving businesses along. And I think not being afraid of it and then also not being afraid of what you want out of it, mm-hmm. I think. And there was a lot of a long time for me that I had a negative connotation with like, hey, like I do want to be secure. It is important to me to have this lifestyle. Like mm-hmm. it is important for my kids to have these experiences, right? That it's okay to want that too. Mm-hmm. It doesn't define you. No, it doesn't define you. Yeah. No, I agree. Well, I think that kind of like segues into the next part that I, this, she said this and I loved it so much that she said, you don't have to hustle your life away to be successful. Yeah. And I think that was like super, I just thought it was like an amazing wise thing to say. So she was, she was talking about how she wanted her daughter to see that you don't have to hustle your life away to be successful. And I think that there is something a little broken about our society that we that we celebrate and we encourage hustle culture yeah. so much because we admire it. I know, and I and I and I absolutely I I despise it. And it's and it, and I say that to anyone who knows us, they're gonna be like, "What the <laughs> fuck are you saying?" <laughs> because you're like the definition of hustle culture. That is true, and it is true. And I was ta- I was texting my friend this morning because. She was checking in on me about something, and I was like, honestly, I'm on the edge. Like, I feel like I just am like, I'm on the edge, and I can feel it. And she's like, oh, it's a busy time. And I replied back, I was like, when is it not busy? Like, when is there not a busy time? Like, mm-hmm. honestly, and I wasn't being a smart ass. I'm, I was being for real. And it's because we've created our lives to the point where we're always going to be always busy. busy. Always. We'll never not be busy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how to function in any other space. I do believe that about you. <laughs> it's true. I know. No, I agree. I, I was like, is she, I think she's speaking directly to us, honestly. I mean, I, I thought that recently we had a conference that was moved that I had to go up to D.C. for, like, and the D.C. tickets were, like, five or $600. And I was like, I'm not going to spend $600 to go to D.C. for us. It's going to drive, right? I was regretting it in the middle of it. So I drove up on a Tuesday, attended the conference, stayed, did the nighttime things, got up, spoke at the conference, drove back on Wednesday, immediately something with the kids. Then it was like open house the next day or whatnot. And we started class the next day. And I was telling Mikhail, I was like, yeah, I have XXX when I got back for Thursday. And he was like, I'm sure you're really hating yourself right now. And I was like, I am. I really am. Like I have, did not set myself up for success. What did I commit to and sign on for? And there are definitely times like that where I'm like, what are you doing, Courtney? Like, seriously, like, what are you doing to yourself? Mm-hmm. But that being said, that's not every day. It's just every other. So mm-hmm. every other day is fine. But yeah, I feel that. I, I feel I love how she was like, you know, we're turning 20. Should I do a big gesture? Should I open a store? Should I plan an event? Should I do? Should I do? Should I do? And she's like, you know what? I'm just going to let it ride, right? Like the store is fine. And uh, I'm going to double down on myself. I'm going to make sure that I take this time of semi-cruising, you know, mm-hmm. where nothing's nothing's needed of her at that time to just really kind of pour into herself. And I thought, wow, like what a big thing to do. Because mm-hmm. I think oftentimes, not for anyone else, even beside, even, even yourself, like you kind of are like, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? What's the next reinvention? And to stay relevant, to stay meaningful, to stay impactful, to stay all those things. And I don't know. I think it can be really, really a damaging way to think about it. Yeah. I mean, she said like in the 20 years, she hasn't stopped. 
yeah. to take her pulse. Like, yeah. And I think that's a lot of it. I think that's, and that's where I, I think for me, I struggle a lot is do you feel alive? Yeah. Like, are you just going through the motions? Are you going to get to the end of this period of time and just have so many regrets? And that's my biggest fear. It's just Your biggest reg- fear is regrets? Is regretting, regretting it all. Like regretting, because mm-hmm. I feel like it's, especially when you talk about the kids, like it just goes by so quickly. Yeah. Well, I, I feel, and I think that we have paused in some areas and obviously probably need to reassess other areas that we're, need to pause in. But like that, the thought of opening up another venue or like, should we parlay this money into another business venture or whatnot? And in my gut, I don't feel released to do that at all because I know I don't have the bandwidth to do it. I know that I would be missing out on some like really crucial time with kids. And I know that there's going to be lots of time after kids. We're not old moms. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So there is, there's going to be that time. And is it fine to just let it ride? You know what I mean? Just, is that fine? I mean, I think it's all, I I believe in timing. Mm -hmm. I think we did a lot of things not correctly in terms of timing. Yeah. And so I do value that. But I I mean, when I think about another venue, there would be things that would have to go away in order to open another venue. And I'm perfectly fine letting those things go away. I'm fine right now walking away from it and never thinking about it again. Mm -hmm. Like I have no problem with it. Yeah. But it's not my thing to walk away from. Right. And I don't think it's the right time. (laughs) Yeah. No, I don't. And maybe it is the right time. Mm -hmm. But I also look at it and think of. Uh, if there's something amazing that comes across the plate and that sure. is a great opportunity and yeah, that is time. But I don't, I don't look at our next venue as a long-term thing. Yeah. I look at it as a lease for 10 years that you bang it out, you make an amazing profits and you walk away from it. Yeah. Call it a day, you know? Yeah. Peace out. <laughs> See you later. You know, but I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I think, what I think think is so admirable is that intentionality behind her year of stopping and saying, what is it that I want? What is that I need to improve on? Mm-hmm. What is it? Where, where am I going with this? As opposed to saying, how can I be more successful Yeah, in business? It's how can I be more successful in my life personally? Yeah. And I feel like that was like a really like, I don't know. Yeah. Convicting thing to hear. It really is. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I think that, you know, I mean, small, it goes hand in hand, honestly. Like, we talk about it all the time. There's not these compartmentalized where, oh, it's your business, oh, it's your life, right? It's your business and life kind of meshed together. And for a lot of our life, businesses ruled it, you know? Like, it's dictated what we could and could not do and the time that we did or did not have. And it's gotten to the point now where it doesn't necessarily have to, but yet you we still maintain, like, a breakneck speed and you don't necessarily – have to to make the business successful do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. but yet we still do that it's almost like it's like comfortable in that chaos or something no I don't think that at all I don't think I don't think we move at a breakneck speed I think we move at a breakneck speed of continuing to add more projects on not to better Mm -hmm. our business not we're not moving at a breakneck speed with Bradford or C&D in fact we're moving at snail's (laughs) pace for a lot of things that I feel like I was saying like personally, I wasn't saying business wise. I know, but it's because you continue to take on this thing and that thing and add one mm-hmm. more thing and 
And I think it's this, I think it honestly, it's a, it's a never ending search for significance and importance. Mm -hmm. And that is ultimately what it, what it boils down to. And I, when she said something like, you know, right now it feels natural. I feel like I'm doing the right thing and I'm still excited to do it. Therefore I know I'm in the right place. And I feel like if that was my marker of it feels natural, I feel like I'm doing the right thing and I'm excited to do it. Then I am in like the completely wrong place of my life. A hundred percent. Really? Oh yeah. There And there's things I feel natural about. I think that, I think the thing that I feel the most natural and the most right thing is probably teaching Yeah. because it's, I mean, it's always been my passion. That's like yeah. what I've always wanted to do and be. And that's been my thing. Like, yeah, I think, I think you've done a great job, like with like the scaffolding of that material this year. Like it does seem very like you have a vision for that and then you just execute on it. Right. But I mean, that's, that, that's, I don't, I don't mean cheesy, but that's my education. That's what mm-hmm. I went to school for. Yeah. It's what I did for many years. It's yeah. like what, and I didn't teach long enough to feel like, oh, it's what I was great at, but I was a good teacher. Mm-hmm. I was a great teacher. Yeah. But I mean, I, and then there's things I feel really, I feel really natural in like leading the girls. Mm-hmm. Like I do feel that way, but that's it. That's where, that is where it ends. Yeah. That is where <laughs> my skill level and how I feel is right in this podcast unnatural. Sometimes it is unnatural. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, so I think that I thought that was just a really like powerful statement of like, are you in the right place? Yeah. I feel that way when I go in the office. I mean, I, I feel very comfortable in our office. I feel comfortable with our team. I feel comfortable leading the girls. I do feel less natural concerning like speaking but I don't know if that's just like that kind of old if you are afraid of it you care about it kind of situation mm-hmm. you know what I feel unnatural in honestly is like the networking piece of it like blowing smoke piece of it like mm-hmm. the acting like you care when you don't really care piece of it is what I have the hardest time with mm-hmm. because I have a really hard time with that like in what scenarios are you talking about like as it pertains to like kind of even like what you were alluding to earlier, like as it pertains to kind of climbing up that like mm-hmm. thought leader type ladder speaking or whatever, I have a hard time with like the brown nosing piece of it. Like I don't want to do it like half the time. Like even when I'm in the middle of it, I don't want to do it. And I feel like it comes across as sometimes, you know, fake or it does. Or I come across as like aloof. It, it 100% yeah. does. Like, because I'm not comfortable in that space. Right. You're not inaccurate in that. And I'm not saying that to, to dig on you about it, but like, mm-hmm. like you've never been a good liar. You've never been a good bullshitter ever. Yeah. And it's not your strong suit, which is so crazy because if you look at like our division of duties, it's always been like sales and yeah. blah, blah, whatever. And you're great at sales. Uh, maybe it's because you don't you authentically believe in our product more yeah, than I do. like you authentically believe in our like schmoozing with somebody else. But I don't have a problem with that. I know. I've never had a problem with I that. I know. You make people feel like you care when I know you don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm aware. <laughs> but, I th- I, but I think that that it's a lot of like, so when you're talking to somebody like Jesse and she's sitting across from you and she's telling you, like her story or whatnot, like there's this certain feeling that you, that you get from her a vibe that, and it's, it's very authentic. It's very real. It's yeah. very true. Right. You could, when she's telling you the story about the bank, like you could see the sadness and the anger and mm-hmm. all that, like come across her face. Like 
there is there wasn't a moment when you looked at this and it's like, oh, are you just saying the words to say the words? Yeah. And it's what you should say. And I think a lot of times, especially when you're speaking, you say the words so many times that they lose their meaning behind them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where I don't ever want to get to is yeah. I don't want to get to the point where I'm saying the same thing over and over again. And I am in so many places that like what I'm saying is I've lost the reality of the weight behind my words. Right. You know? Yeah. Like it's just to say like, oh, you should do this. You should do that. Like, because I know better. When I feel like the most like, uh, cause we're talking about like when you like feel like the most authentic, she said mm -hmm. that like when she was creating, she felt the most right. authentically herself and kind of living her truth mm -hmm. or whatnot. It's definitely more like one-on-one -on -one kind of big picture things. Like the other day we had a vendor friend of ours kind of ask us for advice, like on a business decision that she was making. And there's like a lot of like dancing around, like placating and blah, 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 talking, talking and like the formalities and in the beginning. She's trying to make she's trying she's, to make sure she wasn't gonna offend, offend us. us. Right. Great. And like we're over that. So I'm not offended. But like here here's the thing. Like I'm gonna shoot it to you straight. Like as I see it, right? And and I felt like I had some really wise words for her in that moment. Like being able to say like like this is what you're not thinking about. This is what you're not thinking about. And this is what you're not thinking about. This is what I would do if I were in your situation. And it and I say these things, right? And it's like someone else takes over and someone else is like saying those words out. Like, I'm like, this is the truth. And this is what mm -hmm. I need to tell you. And I feel like the most myself at that point, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Where it's like, I'm done with the bullshit. I'm not placating you. I'm not worried about my end or how this information is going to affect me. I'm literally talking to this person and I can see these blind spots that she has. Mm -hmm. And, and I care about that person. Right. And I, and I like that kind of almost like that mentorship, that one-on-one -on -one mentorship. But it's not for everybody. There's a lot mm -hmm. of people that like will ask us for advice or we'll be talking to that I'm like, eh, I'm not like feeling the connection. But when I feel like that connection, I feel like I do have good business insight and advice and can shoot somebody straight. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's offensive or unoffensive. I don't know how it feels on the other end. But that's, I feel like when I feel like the most kind of like authentic mm. is in that, those types of spaces. Because mm -hmm. I, I, I don't do well with like the fake like, I don't do well with that part of it. I don't mind those kind of conversations, mm -hmm. but I am definitely more of like the empathetic, compassionate conversations I really enjoy. Like I enjoy the more like not necessarily brass tacks business stuff, but yeah. like listening and like just being like a an ear in a lot of ways. And like, yeah, I don't know. I, but I'm not like, I feel like that's when I am the most to me, the most authentic, mm -hmm. like just being able to encourage somebody and like validate how they feel, even if I don't necessarily think that I would do the same thing or whatnot, but you know that they just need to hear that the decision they made was okay. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think you're good at that. I think a great way to end it is, and I love her like philanthropy portion mm -hmm. of her business and that idea of like doing business for good, which kind of goes back to like that Tom's model and whatnot. Yep. And she said, as a suggestion, and you're kind of trying to pick a cause or pick something to rally behind. And again, there's so many options today to rally behind. But she said, it has to be something you're passionate about. And she's like, when I think about it, I think about, well, at least I did at the end of her life. And you could say, at least I did this what would that thing be for you? I think for me, the thing I feel the most strongly about in general, I think is, is literally like 
just equal rights across mm-hmm. the board. That's a huge, huge, huge thing. But whenever I die and leave the world, I want to feel like I did something to move that needle forward. Like, like in any arena. In so any like- arena. Like I, I think I, when I think about like our conversation with Don and like them never having to question where to use the restroom mm-hmm. or a little kid in Florida never having to be ashamed of who they love. Yeah. Right. Like equal rights across the board, uh, whether you are any color you want to be like, mm-hmm. or you are like, it doesn't matter. Like it's the same. You're treated the same. It doesn't, I mean, there's just all that. Like, I think, I think that, I think being a woman, being able to be trusted to make a decision about your body, like it's all, it's equal rights. Like mm-hmm. if, if you can make a decision about your body in every single way, shape or form and how you decide to spread your seed, then I <laughs> should be able to decide how to accept that. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's the truth. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I just, I feel like that to me is where it all comes down to. And I think that the minute you start treating people like people yeah, and that they can make good decisions about themselves, then the world will change. Yeah. I think that's a good one. I I agree with all those things. I think for me, it comes down to like safety that I think that people deserve to live a life where they feel safe. And like, whether that's, you know, and I, it, for me, it comes into like human trafficking and like how protective I am of my kids and like all the things we have to tell our kids nowadays to like ensure their safety and, you know, successful life living whether that's gun violence, like all of these things that just feel like wholly unfair. Like mm-hmm. I think, I mean, I agree with all the rights. Mm-hmm. Like I'm all about some reproductive rights and right. women's rights and, you know, equal opportunities. But the fundamental need to feel safe in your mm-hmm. environment, I think is crucial to any human. Right. And I think that I would want to leave the world feeling safer than mm-hmm. the way that I felt. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Because it bothers me. I mean, I won't go to the fair. Yeah, because you're going to get abducted or someone's going to get, get abducted. I mean, like, I'm not going somewhere where there's large crowds. I'm not doing it. I'm yeah, I know. It, I know, but I think about that. Like, I, I think about that when I go to the movie theater now. Yeah. Like, where's the exit? Like, what would I do? Like, how would I protect my kids? Right. Like, those are all things. And then I think about our, our kids growing up and going to college. Like, I can't protect them from afar, you know, and they're going to make a stupid decision. And yeah. I'm going to be terrified mm-hmm. the whole time. And... I just think that people inherently, we as humans should be able to feel safe in our environment. Mm -hmm. Like if you're not jumping off a rock ledge somewhere and you're not racing a train or something, you should be able to feel safe, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that that's something that really affects all of us. Mm -hmm. So that's how I feel. Yeah. All right. Fuck up of the week. Oh my God. This week has been just literally the week is the fuck up. Yeah. I just need a week redo. Mm-hmm. So Dana, what's your fuck up of the week? Is it really mine? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, so Monday morning, we, well, first off, I would like to preface this with, I have always been afraid of stairs. Like I just don't like them. I don't like walking up them. I don't like walking down them. I don't like the inclined planeness of them. It is my weird uh, fear in life is inclined planes. But I specifically have always told my kids never walk down the stairs in socks. Don't have your socks on the stairs because they're slippery and whatever. And so this is Monday morning. We're getting ready to go. It is, I was like, Aiden, to get your shoes on and brush your teeth. 
it's like 7 a.m. And she runs up the stairs and you hear this like bang, 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 bang. And she starts crying, which at the time, she's klutzy, she's dramatic. I was like, okay. and But it sounded pretty bad. And mm-hmm. then she started really crying. And I was like, oh, it sounded like she really hurt herself. And Sam was there. And he's like, oh, we're going to need a compress, a cold compress. I was like, oh, so she must have, like, hit something. Maybe she has a bruise. or So I'm, like, in the freezer trying to find it. And I was like, I only have an ice pack. And he's like, she needs stitches. And I was like, oh. And sure enough, she busted her chin open. Yes, it was very lovely. But it took five stitches mm-hmm. to get it closed. And so she's trying not to freak out, right? Because she's, you know, Ada. Pr- prone to freaking out. So we're, like, trying to get her to breathe. And she keeps pulling these pieces of her tooth out of her mouth. Because <laughs> she, like, superficially chipped her tooth as well. So that was Monday. And then yet this morning I had to take her to the dentist. And they filled... The crack, it didn't crack, it just superficially chipped, but they went ahead and put a patch on it so that it wouldn't, it wasn't weakened and whatnot. But then she had actually hit her other tooth, which her gums are super bruised and we have to keep an eye on it. And it's possible that the root died, just mm-hmm. some trauma and they'll have to replace it. Mm-hmm. But we'll know in a month, but it's yeah. just like, oh my God. I was so stressed, but then we were, so it was Monday, it was Hannah's 30th birthday, and we had this big spa day planned for everybody, and I called Courtney, I'm like, you're going to see if you can be my appointment, I'm in the ER, and I get there, and I'm like, I'm just distracted, because I was worried about her, I'm worried about her all day, I'm worried about, like, it getting, like, infected, it just happened, and then I was like, okay, I'm going to get this massage, it's going to be great, and the massage sucked, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which I emailed the spa about, (laughs) totally an asshole, but I was like, I don't want my money back. I'm not asking for that at all. Just need you to know this person wasn't very good. <laughs> yes. And that same, very same vein of the, it was the just a bad day. Monday. Bad Monday yes. At the spa, I go to the locker and we're getting ready to leave. And I check it's my 2:15. phone. It's 2.15. And I have this t- email that says, hey, 15 minutes, to, except from like 12.45, 15 minutes to you're supposed to be on this webinar. <laughs> I was like, What? Yes, we had signed up for a webinar sometime back in June mm-hmm. uh, on this day. Yes, we did sign up and got it on the wrong, put it on the wrong calendar day and then never heard a single thing about it. Like not a reminder, not a nothing until 15 minutes before this webinar, which obviously like- well, we, They did say they tried to email us Friday. But and there was no had, email. I must have had the wrong email address or something, but I like scoured all my Yeah, I looked addresses. in the spam, all the nothing. thing, nothing. And there was literally nothing until 15 minutes before like, hey, are you going to be on this webinar? And obviously we weren't. And I felt terrible about it, yeah. obviously, but it was like all of this, like this black hole surrounding this thing. And I was like, this is like the Mondayest of Mondays. Mm-hmm. Like what else could go wrong? I know. It was like totally, I mean, um, like very basic level, our fault. We had it on the wrong month. Yes. We put it on the wrong month. Right. And um, so I didn't think anything. I mean, I just didn't think of anything. We actually had something else scheduled for Monday and we rescheduled we scheduled it. it. Yeah. Because you know, we had this big spa day. So yeah. it wasn't like we weren't like, cognizant right of it but which that person has now reminded us like seven times this week and i'm like has word gotten out about (laughs) about our monday (laughs) i feel like it has and i'm feeling self-conscious about it Uh, like we're really not that flaky i promise not flaky at all i know at all at all but so yes those some good ones good ones this week yes
All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for gathering us today to talk about The Hustle. For our episode with Jesse, we are drinking a bourbon soda. We hope you get the chance to make it this week. And cheers to stopping and taking your pulse. To learn more and connect with Jesse Williams, you can visit Edge of Verge on Instagram at Edge of Verge and at Unlikely Professionals or visit their webpage, edgeofverge.com. To learn more about our hustles, visit us on the gram at CD Events, at the Bradford NC, at Anthem.house, and at Hustle and Gather. And if you're interested in learning more about our speaking, training, or venue consulting, head to our website at hustleandgather.com. Also, if you love us and you love this show, we'd be more than honored if you left a rating and a review. This podcast is a production of Earfluence. I'm Dana. And I'm Courtney. And we'll talk with you next time on Hustle and Gather.